Michael Schulz suggests that probably no other modern president of the United States has been so represented in fictional film and documentaries as the 32nd Franklin Delano Roosevelt. FDR's iconographic image, distinctive voice, and references to him as the president, the New Deal's NRA and WPA, the wartime allied leadership, and so on, appear in an extraordinary number of films made during or representing that period from 1933 to 1945, encompassing both the horrific depression and the monumental struggle to defend democracy during World War II. Though recent presidents have dominated the mass media during their time in office, few have had more than a couple of fictional, cinematic, or made-for-TV treatments, and none has been as warmly identified with a particular era other than the so-called Camelot associated with John Kennedy's administration. The image of FDR that evolved was one of a smiling, reassuringly avuncular man, witty and energetic, wearing pince-nez glasses, and often smoking a cigarette in a holder, jauntily clenched between his teeth. During his 12-year presidency, Roosevelt was portrayed, impersonated, or caricatured by Hollywood in scores of fictional feature films, motion pictures, and a few animated cartoons, fictional shorts, documentaries, numerous non-fiction shorts, and countless other pieces, including filmed reproductions of his famous fireside chats. What is intriguing is that the visual representation of FDR, one that does not acknowledge his partial paralysis after a 1921 bout with polio, only a single non-fiction short, Roosevelt, The Man of the Hour, from MGM in 1933, is known to have made a direct reference to this condition during his presidency. In fact, it would not be until 1960, with the Warner Brothers production Sunrise at Cabobello, that Roosevelt's physical challenge would be frankly addressed. But that biopic, featuring Ralph Bellamy in the lead role, ends with his decision to deliver the 1924 Democratic presidential nomination speech for Al Smith. It would be another 41 years until the theatrically released film portraying FDR in office, Pearl Harbor, from 2001, would clearly show that the nation's leader was dependent for his mobility upon a wheelchair or 30-pound metal braces and the muscular assistance of AIDS. After his 1932 landslide victory, Roosevelt became Dr. New Deal, the man with the cure for the depression's ills. This theme is treated literally in Confidence, an animated short released in July of 1933 by Universal, featuring Oswald the Rabbit. The cartoon opens with the dark cloud of the depression rising out of the city dump, creating a banking scare, and then settling down upon Oswald's farm. Oswald goes for a cure to Dr. Pill, who promptly points to FDR's photo. When the rabbit flies to Washington and asks Roosevelt for the cure, a singing and dancing president leads Oswald in performing the title song.
When the film Pearl Harbor was released in 2001, much was made of its candid portrayal of FDR. In every scene in which he appears, the camera focuses on his wheelchair. This is epitomized by the dramatic and totally fictional scene in which a grimacing president, played by John Voight, having listened to excuses from his advisors pertaining to the difficulty of militarily responding to the attack, struggles out of his wheelchair, his braces clearly visible, to the standing position, proclaiming, do not tell me it can't be done. Those words from an essay by film historian Michael Scholl. As Scholl attempts to explain, there's something compelling about the figure of Franklin D. Roosevelt that has led him to be portrayed in film and on stage in so many ways. Robert Hughes is a veteran actor and writer from Lackawanna County, and he is equally taken by the man, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and his message. And he will bring FDR to life in an original historical piece that he will present at regional libraries in August and September. We had a chance to speak by phone with Robert Hughes about his newest piece in a series he's been creating. My thesis is to take historical figures, interview them, and then play the interviewer creating the questions and then taking the material, literal, accurate materials of their life and, and use that so it is accurate and precise and real. What was your first historical project in this way? My first historical project was with Chester Caleza at the Atrocyte Museum. He said, we're going to do stations and everyone will narrate a story. So I went into the history of the mines and found out that the miners typically would work with their sons. And there was a cave-in, of course. And when they uncovered all the debris, the father had his son in his arms. And that began my love affair with doing historical pieces. And since then... What characters have you brought to life? I have done Jason Miller, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and Johnny Mitchell, the mine leader. We're anticipating doing Ellie Wiesel in September, and then we're going to come back on Jason Miller's Barrymore's Ghost for Halloween. We think that's appropriate. And finish up with the Christmas Carol. I invite anyone to suggest any historical figures that that might be interesting. I chose Mr. Roosevelt because there were three, of course, FDR, Lincoln, and Washington. So I've completed Lincoln. We're addressing Roosevelt now, and then I'll end up with, with Mr. Washington. I don't think anybody does this the way I do it, and I'm just happy to be that kind of Let's put it this way. There are more historical societies in Pennsylvania than theaters. So what does that tell you about people's love of history? And so help us imagine what happens. You are sitting in a chair. You are standing at a podium. How does it work? Well, I am am going to be brought in, in this particular case, in a wheelchair. 
because the subtext of, of course, FDR is that he was a man who had polio and, and could not stand or walk without assistance for the last 23 years of his life. It happened when he was 39. And we're celebrating not only FDR, but we're celebrating people with disabilities. We all have some impediments, and we're asked to overcome them. And I I am just so, so impressed that he went and took on the responsibilities of a depression and a war for, for four terms. Didn't finish the final term, but I think he is just so inspirational. He speaks to us today. And let me quote one of my producers at North Pocono who said to me, Robert, Justine in particular, she said, it's about time we do FDR. And I thought, bingo, here we go. Because he does, he is a, that father figure, not unlike Lincoln. And they were imperfect people. We know Lincoln was imperfect. He saw, he saw himself as someone who just didn't have the looks, and he felt inadequate for that reason. Now, on the other hand, FDR, as a, as a young man, looked like John Wayne. I mean, big, handsome, strapping. And then to be taken down by polio, and then his wonderful wife, Eleanor, was the pillar of his life. And she, she had this self-absorbed man of privilege in her life, and she realized, I better educate him. So what she did, she brought in women from the societies, social societies in New York City, and they talked about the immigrant problems. And he became educated. I mean, he, he was critiqued in his 28, 29-year-old, the first time he was a representative, as pretty self-absorbed. And I mean, there was not, there was not, people really criticized him, and he was just, because he was this big, strapping, handsome guy, and he was just full of himself. When he became disabled, his life shattered and changed him, and he became humble. He He valued... He valued the fact that we all need assistance. Nobody can do this on their own. And I just think he he speaks to us on so many different levels. So you are saying that FDR grew over the course of his life and that maybe we'll see some of that. This was a big learning curve. I mean, he went from... Uh, a self-absorbed son of a gun, and he even he even admits it to a caring human being. To thank his wife and all the women in his life that have that have educated him, and and this is what makes him such a compelling personality. You know, he he was given privilege. He was given, you know, his wife was the the executor of of her, her father's estate. Money was never an object, but he wanted, through his Episcopalian background, he wanted to serve people. And his people and his education at the the Groton School in Massachusetts was a Christian academy. And it was, you know, 
we are our brother's keepers. His passion to to eliminate poverty, the the promise of America, he wanted to share because he experienced the promise of America with his family background. You know, once again, it's it's one thing to have; it's another thing, as we all know from the schoolyard, to share. And his greatest joy was to share with people. Is there humor? Did he have a sense of humor? Ab- absolutely. He would, he would critique himself, and he, he would laugh at himself, and, and he, enjoyed, he enjoyed being alive after he went through this transformation, I might add. He knew that he was destined to help humanity. He knew that, that he wanted to be a servant to people. And to what degree do you have the feeling of being an actor in putting this material across? Do you hold yourself in the wheelchair like him, carry yourself that way? Is there anything in terms of inflection of your voice? How do you work with that? Because it is kind of a hybrid form. Yes. Well, he, he was assisted. He could stand erect once once he was positioned. So I, I will enter in a wheelchair, and then with assistance, I'll stand by the podium. I'm okay there. And in terms of the, the vocality, he just had this upbeat, I'll give you an impression of, of FDR. This country must be ready to be first class for all its citizens. He just was so full of passion and love and, and devotion to this country that it's easy for me to do. Now, I did study f- some tapes, but it is joyous because he was, he was the happy warrior. You said he speaks to us today, so we'll come away, you hope, from our encounter through you with Franklin Roosevelt with a sense of perspective on the history of the United States and our present time. Here's what they'll take away that our obligation as a citizen is to strengthen, is to bolster, is, is to make democracy stronger and stronger and stronger. He said the only hope that we have is democracy. And he quotes Ben Franklin who says, we must learn to hang together or we will hang separately. And he preached world peace because he went through that war and he helped establish the United Nations. So here's a man who, whose tasks, he, he just addressed the monster issues, depression, wartime, poverty, hunger. He idolized Jefferson. He thought Jefferson was the, he, he called him the father of democracy. But Jefferson said, we do not want paupers in this country. We want people to take care of their families and share what they have. And, and certainly FDR was, was the smiling, generous giant. And once again, my friend Justine at the North Pocono Library has the best quote. She said, it's time to do FDR. Do you take questions from the people who are in the audience? Oh, absolutely. 
And and if if they ask too many historical questions, I will just simply indicate that I am not a super scholar. I learn enough to do the piece, and and I'll open up the discussion, and we'll get that answer. <laughs> we'll get that answer addressed. Maybe not by me, but somebody else in the audience. You are sparking discussion, and you're also maybe giving people the spark they need to go do some more reading themselves. I I remember reading Eric Fromm, and he had what FDR had. He had faith, meaning a radical belief in possibility, and he had hope, the desire, the desire to make that possibility become fruitful. And that's FBR in a nutshell. Anyone that listens to this this radio presentation that's interested in doing FDR, I will travel far and wide to do it. I don't care where it is, what's the facility, and I'm committed to bringing this to the American public. Just pick up the phone and we'll talk. You have been immersing yourself in this then. You've been doing this research all along. When are we going to be able to see the fruits of your work? Our first show will be at the North Pocono Library in in Moscow on the 18th of August. And then we'll go to the Newfoundland Library on the 20th and the 27th. After those engagements... We'll go into West Pittston for the 23rd of September. And I'm convinced that there may be other places that would like to see FDR. His name is magical, as you, as you can imagine. They're not coming to see Bob Hughes. They're coming to see FDR, and I couldn't be happier. Robert Hughes, veteran actor and writer from Lackawanna County, who has been talking with us about his one-person piece on Franklin Delano Roosevelt that he will take to North Pocono Public Library, Church Street in Moscow, on August 18th, and the Newfoundland Area Public Library, Main Street in Newfoundland, the 20th and 27th of August, and then on to West Pittston on September 23rd. Robert Hughes is also offering his show to your organization if you would like to host him as FDR. And to reach Robert, you could call us here, area code 570-655-2808, area code 570-655-2808. It's Robert Hughes with Franklin Delano Roosevelt. North Pocono Public Library, Church Street in Moscow on August 18th, and the Newfoundland Area Public Library, Main Street in Newfoundland on August 20th and 27th. And then a month later, in September on the 23rd, it's West Pittston's Library. 